Good morning, church. How you guys doing this morning? All right. Like four of you guys were awake. Cool. Second service. Come on, where are you guys at? There you are. All right, cool. Hey, we're going to go into a time of worship. I want to invite you guys to stand and uh, join me in a word of prayer this morning. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to come into this place and worship you. God, right now, help us to focus in on you. God, to truly give you all the attention, all the glory, all the praise that you are absolutely deserving of. Lord, thank you that in the middle of everything, Lord, that you're still here you're guiding us through. God, from the smallest details to the biggest of challenges that seem impossible, you don't miss a single thing. God, I'm just so thankful for that kind of relationship. God, that you're someone I can lean on, that I can trust in, no matter what the circumstance. Lord, we love you. We praise you. This is all for you. We pray this in your name. Amen.
other name. There is no other name but the name that is Jesus. He who was and still is and will be through it all. Come on, May, in the space between all the things unseen and this reckoning. I know I will never be alone. Come on, lift your voices. We sing, I know. I know I will never be alone. There'll be another in the fire standing next to me.
one time through where we sing out the king of my heart is the mountain where I run let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run the fountain I drink from oh he is my son let the king of my heart be the shadow where I Ransom for my life, oh, he is my son. Lord, let that song be the anthem of our hearts. Lord, that in the good times and in the struggles, Lord, relentlessly. Help us to choose you in every moment. God, that we would continue to turn to you in everything. Lord, as we continue in our service this morning, help us to stay in this attitude, in this posture of a worship. Lord, where our hearts are ready to receive from you. God, that as Pastor Dave comes up to speak, Lord, that first and foremost, it would be your truth and your guidance that we hear. God, that it would challenge us. That it would grow us, push us to take one step closer to you. Father, we love you, we praise you. We pray this in your name, amen. Hey, 
Hey, happy weekend, New Life family. It's great to be back with you. Thank you for joining us here for our online service. Uh, we're going to jump right into this. Uh, go ahead and take out your phones and pull up the sermon notes for this weekend. Uh, you'll find them under our app. If you click on our app and then click down at the right-hand corner, uh, you'll see where it says the word connect. And then you'll see at the top where it says weekend resources. Then click on sermon notes. And then this weekend's date. But we just wanted to say thank you so much wherever you're watching from, especially the Central Valley of California. If during, if any time during the message you hear me cough a little bit, it's because welcome to blooming season of the Central Valley of California, where all the almonds that you can eat grow right here. And right now it's all blooming. Thousands of acres of your favorite fruits and almonds right here. And everybody that lives here, we get to pay the price. It's beautiful, but we have allergies. All right. So anyway, I uh, just wanted to pre, uh, pre, kind of preview with that. Hey, um, uh, I hope you're enjoying the Connect 3 groups. Uh, the, the two guys that are in my Connect 3 group, we love it. Every morning, sometimes before 6 a.m., we're texting each other about what great things we learned just from the three verses. So if you're not part of that yet, get two people, join a Connect 3 group, text the word Connect 3, C-O-N-N-E-C-T, and the number 3 to 30500, and get involved with your Connect 3 group. Also, uh, just some of the normal housekeeping items, if you have any prayer needs that you want our staff to be praying with you about, uh, you can text the word prayers with an S to that same number, 30500. And don't forget all of the weekend resources that we have, not just the weekend, but the weekly resources that we have available to you on our website, newlifecc.com. No matter what age group you have children or whether you're in a life group, you're doing something at home, a Bible study at home, we have resources available to you online. So make sure you take advantage of those as well. Um, an update on the campus. Uh, last week you saw some pictures. Those pictures are now out of date because we have made some Amazing, tremendous progress in the campus. So, so as I'm talking, uh, I know Sandy is showing you some pictures <clears throat> that I sent her of the progress that we've made. More walls have come down. More walls have been moved back. The back wall that needed to come down is now down. And the walls that we were rebuilding or that we were uh, um, uh, building uh, to make up the back of our auditorium are now up. The back of them were sheetrocked. And now the power begins. And so that's where this process to, uh, goes from like fifth gear down to first, okay? But this is a slow process from here on out. This will probably take us anywhere from four to five weeks uh, to take to run all the power. So uh, we still are going to have our Easter service there uh, out in the parking lot, okay? So please pray for no rain. But if you are part of our New Life Patterson campus, make sure you tell all your friends, all your family that we are going to be having our Easter service in the parking lot at 515 Keystone Boulevard. That's the home of our new uh, of our new of our new campus, and right out behind is a gigantic parking lot that we're going to be having our service in. We're going to set up a stage and have praise and worship and a message out there. And I know uh, that after a year of not being able to be together, not seeing each other's faces, unless you come here on the weekends, unless you're in lane three. Um, we don't get, we haven't seen each other. And so I know that you're going to be there. And uh, we've been giving tours of the facility. Um, if you want a tour, just hit me up, hit Tito up, hit Miss Anna up, and uh, we will give you a tour of the building. But we just want to let you know that we are in gear, that we are uh, trying to get in as quickly as possible, but also we want to make sure that we take all the safety protocols and we have to get that certificate of occupancy from the city as well, okay? But we are on it, okay? Because we want to see you. We want to be able to regather. Uh, the last thing I wanted to remind everybody is that uh, next weekend on Sunday, 
May, or not Mar May, but March. Sunday, March 21st, we're going to be moving our service time for the Patterson campus in the North Building from 10.30 to 10 a.m. Okay, from 10.30 to 10 a.m. In, in the north building of the Turlock campus. That's where we're going to be having our services for the next several weeks, except for Easter weekend. Okay, so make sure that you uh, keep all of that uh, uh, on your calendar. I know that was a lot of information. Maybe you have to pause and go back and kind of write some of those things down. But wherever you are watching from this weekend, wherever you are listening from, whether it's your car or while you're cleaning house or whatever, we just want to say thank you for engaging here in our weekend service. So we, last weekend we kicked off this new series that we, that we are in uh, called Love Wins. And that's going to take us all the way uh, through and beyond uh, the Easter season. And last week we talked about that it all began with love. It started with love from the very beginning of time. And so this week we're going to talk about how compassion fits into this. So love wins when compassion begins. And so if you have a, if you have a Bible with you, maybe you have a Bible on your phone or your tablet, uh, maybe you have a physical Bible, we're going to be in the book of Matthew chapter 8. Now the math. The book of Matthew is one of the, uh, what we call the Gospels, if you're new to the faith. And so the first four books of the New Testament are called the Gospels, or basically the biographies of Jesus from different uh, perspectives. And so the first one the, the, uh, of the New Testament is called Matthew, and it, Matthew was actually one of the disciples. And so he wrote his own Gospel, his own biography. So we're going to be in the cha uh, Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4 today. Now... When you think of word comparisons, when you think of word association, what do you think? When you think of uh, uh, Abercrombie and Fitch, uh, Jack and Jill, uh, Ben and Jerry's, uh, uh, bacon and eggs, biscuits and gravy. All right, are you getting hungry yet? If you are, please make sure you send me an invitation, okay, because I, I love me some biscuits and gravy, all right? Um, but when you think of word associations, when you think of even, even on the, in, a, in a spiritual uh, realm. Uh, there's word associations. One of the words that should come to mind when you think about the love of our Father towards humanity is the word compassion. Love and compassion. And we're going to dissect what that word compassion means. In fact, the dictionary describes the word compassion as this, a sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with a desire to alleviate it. Let me say that again. Sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with a desire to alleviate it. In other words, let's break this down. It's having sympathy, having a, knowing, a known sympathy towards someone who is in distress or needs help together with a desire or a want to do something about it. So it's not just recognizing it. It's not just seeing it. It's seeing it, having sympathy for it, and then doing something about it. Isn't that part of what love is? And I mean real love. I'm not talking about just uh, loving things, but I'm talking about having a genuine, authentic love. Love and compassion shows itself through the action of, of compassion. So last week we began this series by talking about how, like I said, how this all began with love, that it's always been about love from the very beginning of time. The Father had this plan 
because of his love, to bring humanity back into a personal relationship with him by sending his one and only son, Jesus, as our sacrifice. And the sacrifice of Jesus happened because he had the love of the Father in him to willingly surrender himself and to give himself as a once and for all remedy for all the wrongdoings of humanity. You see, the Father had compassion on his creation, us. And his love and his compassion are inseparable. They go together. It's no wonder that when we see the love of Jesus demonstrated in his life, and especially in the ministry of Jesus, that we often see these words, and filled with compassion. We see that several times in the Gospels. And filled with compassion, Jesus said, or Jesus did. The only person that this word is associated with is Jesus. Throughout Scripture, we don't see the word compassion connected to anyone else except for Jesus. It says that he felt this way when he encountered the sick, when he encountered the blind, when he walked up on someone who was demon-possessed, those who lost loved ones, and the hungry, and the lonely, and especially the lost, especially the lost. You say, what do you mean? where are they? Why are they lost? I'm talking about those who did not know who Jesus was. The, the unbelievers, the non-believers, those who hadn't yet surrendered their life to him, those who hadn't put their trust in him yet, that's what's considered, according to Scripture, as the lost. He had so much compassion for us that he literally wept about it. Look what it says in, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, 41. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. In all of those places where Jesus showed compassion, love wins. Love wins. Do me a favor, wherever you are, look at your hand for a moment. Austin, look at your hand. Hold your hand up. Let me see it. All right, look at it. All right, Sandy, you got two hands, right? No, one, you said, no, I got one because the other one's holding the camera. All right, look at your hand for a moment. Okay, maybe it's been a while since you've really stared at your hands. Look at the back of your hand. All right, look at your palm. Look at your palm, Austin. You see it? They'll be, we're not palm reading, but just look at your palm, all right? Uh, look at your fingers. Maybe rub your fingers over your knuckles. Feel how dry they are. Austin, can you bring me some lotion? I am just don't, don't really do that. My hands are really dry. Janet even said that yesterday. What if someone were to film a documentary on your hands? What if someone were to film a documentary on your hands? What story would it tell? It would probably, be, probably begin by showing an infant's fist, maybe you as a, a, as a little baby. Then a close-up maybe of a tiny hand wrapped around your mommy's finger. I don't know about you, but when all four of my kids were growing up, you know, you just walk through the store. You didn't have to hold your hand. We would just, I would just hold my finger down, and they'd, you know, their little hand wrap around my finger, and it was so cute. I loved that. Well, then what? Maybe holding on to a chair as you learn to stand. Maybe hold on to a spoon as you learn to eat. We wouldn't be... F- far into the documentary before we would see that hand showing affection, reaching up to touch its mom's cheek or reaching out to pet a cat or a dog. And then later on uh, in the documentary, we would see it maybe grabbing a toy, those hands grabbing a toy, maybe pushing a brother or sister away, maybe reaching up to touch a hot stove and then another hand coming in the scene and smacking that hand (laughs) before they touch the stove. We learn early that the hand is not just for accomplishing the acts of grabbing and holding. But the hand is also used for expression. The same hand can help hurt or it can help. 
It can help encourage or discourage. That same hand can wave hello to someone or it can tell them they're number one with the wrong finger. I won't do that on camera right now. Catch me afterwards. It can help someone up or it can sometimes push someone down. If you were to premiere this documentary to your friends, chances are you would be proud of some of those moments of your hands. Maybe the moment that you put a ring on, the spouse's, on your spouse's finger or the first time that you ever reached down to hold his or her hand. The moment that you bandaged a wound or the, the first moments you ever folded your hands to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The moment that you stroked the forehead of, of someone who was sick or maybe even dying. You'd be proud of some of those moments. But wouldn't each of us also have some embarrassing moments <laughs> with our hands? When our hands have accused more than encouraged? When they've abused more than have been helpful? When our hands were, uh, were used more for taking than for giving? Leave them unmanaged and like the tongue, your hands can become weapons of destruction. But did you know that because of Jesus and his love, these hands can be used by God? Kind of like being the hands of Jesus to those around me. You see, that's what love does because love wins. Think about this. If I had eyes like Jesus, what would I see? If I had feet like Jesus, where would I go? If I had hands like Jesus, how would I touch? Would love win in those areas as well? If we could see the documentary about the hands of Jesus, we wouldn't see abuse. We wouldn't see slaps. We wouldn't see greedy or self-centered grabbing. We would, see one, we would see one scene after another of the compassion of Jesus, a loving hand of Christ as lives were changed. Children being brought to Jesus, parents coming in for encouragement and, and, and also advice and counsel. Each one of those changed. But none of those were changed or touched as much as the guy that we're going to be reading about in the book of Matthew chapter 8. Let's read it together. Starting with verse 1. Large crowds followed, followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Now this is a big no-no. 2,000 years ago lepers did not approach a rabbi. and This guy didn't care. Lord, the man said, if you are willing... You can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. Again, totally taboo. I am willing, he said. Be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus said to him, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Now, this was also something that people had to do. When people had leprosy, we'll get into this in a minute, it was, it, was, it, was, it was disgusting. And they had to be banished a little while from the community. When they came back, they had to be examined by the priest, by the rabbi. They had to go and say, look, I'm all better now. Whether it's 7 or 14 to 21 days, it was all kind of, always kind of in, in increments of 7. But they had to come back. And if the priest said, okay, now you can come back, then they had to give the, the, the offering that was uh, the law of Moses appropriate to be able to come back into the community. But we know so very little about this guy. He appears and then he disappears in the story. We don't even know his name. We know his disease. We know his decision. But we're left with questions about the rest. So today, I want to wander with you 
about this guy and the response given by Jesus. You see, the natural response would be to not get involved. He's a rabbi. This guy's disgusting. He's dirty. Not the rabbi, but the, the man with leprosy. I mean, this is too big. It's too messy. It's too scary to get involved. But love wins. Write this down for number one. Here's your first fill-in for the weekend. Love wins when I see people through the eyes of Jesus. Love wins when I see people through the eyes of Jesus. 1 Samuel 16, 17 in the Old Testament. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You and I are so tempted, aren't we, to look on the outward appearance of people. To judge people by their looks. We wonder about this man because leprosy, like we said, was the most dreaded of diseases in the New Testament times. Leprosy made the body just this mass of decay. Fingers would curl and gnarl up. Blotches of skin would discolor and stink. Kind of reminds me back of when I was a youth pastor. There were even certain types of leprosy that would, that would numb nerve endings and leading to losses of extremities and fingers. Even a whole hand or a foot sometimes would just rot off. Leprosy was death by inches. The social consequences were just as cruel. Those are the physical consequences, but the social consequences were just as cruel. Since they were considered contagious, leopard, lepers were quarantined. They were banished from the community, usually to what's called a leper colony. It would just be a colony, just a community of lepers. Throughout Scripture, the lepers is a representative and symbolic of the ultimate outcast because this person represents any nation and any uh, uh, era who's been set out and kicked out and turned out. He's avoided by people that he doesn't even know, condemned to a future that he can't, can't, can't even bear. And I would bet that every person with leprosy remembered the very day that he was diagnosed. With all the little signs adding up one on top of the, uh, uh, of the other. And, and ignoring, ignoring every sign because they didn't want to come to grips to the truth and, and, and the fact of the matter that they may have this dreaded disease. To look and say, this is probably my lot in life. This is going to be me from now on. Can you imagine the social and emotional and relational and mental death sentence that you would put upon yourself before you even told anyone? Yeah. Some of you do. Because some of you are watching and listening right now, and you've done that to yourself. You're not a leper. You don't have leprosy, but you feel like one. You don't have a dreaded, contagious disease that kicks you out of, out of your community or banished from society. But because of the judgment that you've given yourself due to all of the lies told to you by the enemy based on your past, you've judged yourself and you've considered yourself as big an outcast as this leper. Those are the lies that you've been believing. And you feel like it. And yet Jesus looked right at this man, something he wasn't supposed to do because he was a rabbi, and he didn't turn away. He didn't ignore him. It's the beginning of compassion to open our eyes and see. You see, that's what love does because love wins. It's willing to look and see and not turn away from what breaks the heart of the Father to recognize and see the truth. I mean, we, we, may not build, we may not be building colonies for the, for the unwanted anymore. 
But we certainly build our individual walls and avoid eye contact, don't we? If we don't see it, then it's not there. That's what we tell ourselves. But Jesus entered into this man's life and he felt his hurt. Matthew 8 says that Jesus reached towards him. Again, he is not supposed to do this. He is a rabbi. It was that identification that there are wounds and scars in each one of us. Can I tell you that no matter what you're going through, no, no matter your scars, no matter your hurts, no matter your wounds, Jesus sees them and he's not ignoring them. And he is willing to reach out and to touch you. But we still have value and worth. That's what he's communicating to us. That you're still worth it. That you still have value. That there's nothing in your life that Jesus won't touch. Love wins when we see with the eyes of Jesus. Here's your fill-in number two. Love wins when I feel with the heart of Jesus. Love wins when I feel with the heart of Jesus. Listen to what Mother Teresa said. She said this, we have drugs for people with diseases like leprosy. But these drugs do not treat the main problem, the disease of being unwanted. The sick and poor suffer even more from rejection than material want. Loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. So if we want to lean in close to Jesus, if we want to reach out and take God's hand, and I know that's metaphorical, but it comes as we reach out to those who have felt rejected and lonely, to feel with the heart of Jesus, to see with the eyes of Jesus, to give those around us worth and dignity and hope. When we express love to the least of these, we are doing it for Jesus. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 25. The king will reply, I tell you, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for who? For me. The words of Jesus. Think about the people in your life who have been marginalized. Think about those in your, in your circle who have been diminished for a whole host of, uh, of reasons. Whether we acknowledge it or not, because of social status, maybe it's a, a job or career choices, ethnic or racial discrimination or privilege, educational differences, political affiliations, that's a big one, ageism, sexism, each of us have a whole laundry list somewhere in our heart and up here in our head that divides and categorizes us. Real people that God created, that God loves, that God has compassion for, and that God loves unconditionally. He has love and compassion. Love wins when I can feel with the heart of Jesus. Love wins when I allow him to expose my own prejudices. Love wins when we see one another as cherished masterpieces of our Heavenly Father. And finally, number three, love wins when I touch with the hands of Jesus. So love, love wins when I see people with the eyes of Jesus, when I feel with the heart of Jesus, and when I touch with the hands of Jesus. Did you know, if you look back, we're going to read that again. Did you know that it wasn't the touch of Jesus that healed the man's disease? Matthew is very careful to mention that it was the pronouncement that healed him, not the touch of Jesus that healed his disease. Jesus reached out his hand, quote, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and said, I am willing, be healed. So it wasn't the touch. It was in his words. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared. 
The healing of the, of the disease came with Jesus' words. But I think the healing of his heart came with the touch of his hand. The leprosy was healed with his words, but the healing of his heart came with the touch. The power of a godly touch. Have you ever felt someone reach out and take your hand? Maybe a friend or a spouse, a parent, a child. The touch, the acceptance that comes from, from, from just a single touch is amazing. If you've never taken the, the, the test, the five love, love languages, or ever read the book, The Five Love Languages, I want to encourage you to do so. Uh, it kind of categorizes the five uh, basic human needs. My number one is physical touch. And if Janet's watching or listening right now, she's like, yep, physical touch. There's something, uh, Janet and I will be married 28 years this year. And still, when we're driving in the car, if I'm, you know, driving my, my Jeep, it's a, it's, a, it's a stick shift. And I'll be shifting and I'll rest my hand on the, on the, the console between the seats. And all of Jan, Janet has to do is just reach over with her fingertips and just kind of rub my arm. After 28 years, I'm still like, I love it. I don't know why. I just love it. Physical touch. We all need it. And we're in an, <laughs> we're in an age right now, we're in a season right now where it's so uh, unacceptable to be hugging each other and touching each other. I'm such a, 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 um, a hugger. I generally ask people now, do you mind if I give you a hug or whatever? And sometimes they, they know that I'm a big hugger and they don't even wait for me to ask. They just come in and give me a hug. And I love it because a touch can make a difference. You can reach out and touch with compassion. It's letting love win in every encounter. Don't ever forget the power of a touch. Don't forget the power, the powerful work of the Holy Spirit that can result as God's minister, which we all are, you can reach out and bring healing and hope to someone. It's where love wins. I consistently touch people on the shoulder when I'm talking to them. I want them to know that I'm attentive, that I know that they're there, that, they, that I'm listening to them. And that all happens with the human touch. I know during this past year that, like I said, we've been encouraged to stay distant and be removed from each other, and yet more and more people are isolated and alone. And it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. I'm a 49-year-old man. And still when I see uh, my dad, my dad's a big guy, 6'3". I don't know how much weight you've been gaining, Dad, but I, during, the, during COVID, every time I see my dad, no matter how old I get, he grabs me, bear hugs me, and gives me a big kiss on my cheek. Every single time. And I do the same with my kids. The power, the power of the human touch. We may not have a disease like leprosy, but sometimes we feel like a leper, a leper don't we? Distant, removed. Maybe we have to be creative during this season. Be attentive during this season. To find ways to touch and care and love, to make it matter and to make it stick. Before I read this last verse and pray, I just want to encourage you by saying this. Every single one of us have someone 
in our life that needs our compassion. My challenge to every one of us is that we will see people with the eyes of Jesus, that we will feel people with the heart of God, that we will touch people with the hands of Jesus, whatever that looks like. I know that every week we still have um, uh, literally 100 to 150 families that we feed with the, with the uh, Church Without Walls food pantry in Patterson. That organically began during COVID. It is amazing. It is absolutely amazing to see the lives that we've touched. Spiritually, emotionally, mentally, sometimes physically, when they ask us to just lay our hand on them and pray over them. I just want to encourage you to look for people around that need your compassion. If you say, I love them, remember the word association. Compassion cannot be separated from love. God is love. God is compassion. His compassion bled through his son Jesus when he hung on the cross because he had so much compassion, has so much compassion for you and I. God loves you. God has compassion for you, and he doesn't want it to stop with you. He wants it to go through you to others. Who in your life, who at your job, who in your home do you need to show compassion? I'm not talking about grace and mercy and forgiveness. Those are all different subjects. I'm talking compassion, where you have a sympathetic consciousness of their need and a desire to do something about it. Bow your heads with me wherever you are. Father, thank you for this stirring that you are causing the inside of us to have. Father, we don't reject it, we embrace it. Because you love us, we love others. Because you have compassion on us, we have compassion on others. Lord, thank you for this message. Thank you for this uh, sort of um, uh, revelatory awakening, uh, Lord, that you are reminding us to show compassion for others, Lord, to see people how you see them, to feel with your heart, to, to touch with your hands, Lord, in whatever capacity that looks like, Father. There's so much more we can do. Let us not look down on others. No matter what, uh, what, what frame of mind they're in, no matter what their socioeconomic status or whatever, Lord, let us put all that aside and see people like you see people. Father, let our hearts break for what breaks yours. Father, you created us and designed us in your image. And part of that image is not just, it's not a physical image, Lord. It's a spiritual image. And Father, we want to rest in that. We want to embrace that. We want to grow in that. Father, we love you. We surrender our hearts to you. We submit to your authority. Not our way, not our will, but yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, thank you for tuning in this week. Uh, don't forget all the announcements. If you have prayers, you can text those in to 30500. Also, uh, your Connect 3 groups. And don't forget that beginning next weekend, March 21st, our service times are changing. Okay, uh, Make sure you keep up with social media. Go online, whatever you got to do. Because if you show up at 1030, you're going to be late. 30 minutes late. Austin, don't be late next weekend. All right, love you guys. Hey, have a great week. We'll see you next weekend.